I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Anya Alvarez here, producer of Off the Looking Glass. And as you're listening to this, I'm going to be on the course trying to qualify for the U.S. Open. I played a practice round this week, and I have to say the course is beautiful. It's in great shape. It's tree-lined, which is my favorite type of course to play. The greens are very undulated and fast, and it's definitely going to test the players as they vie for spots for the U.S. Open. Golf is such an individual sport that it all comes down to you, even your caddy. It doesn't matter how good your caddy is. It comes down to you and the choices you make and if you hit every shot committed. The thing that I really loved being here in terms of prepping for the Open is seeing how young the game has gotten. I'm looking out at the range right now and there are girls in high school, middle school, college, all getting ready for the qualifier. And honestly, I felt like an old lady the other day when I played in a practice round with uh, two golfers. They were 17 and 18 years old. I'm 34. I'm technically old enough to be their mother, which I've never really felt that before while playing golf. It's exciting to see because I think that only is a testament to how golf is becoming more mainstream, that more girls are getting exposed to the sport at a younger age, and it also feels like a more viable way to actually make a living. So I hope to see a couple young girls from this qualifier qualify for the US Open, but I also hope that I am one of them that qualifies with them because they're going to need a mentor you know they're going to need someone who's been there done that but hopefully i'll have good news to share with you next week as i step off on the course and who knows anything could happen welcome to off the looking glass i'm kate fagan i'm jessica smetana it's an exciting day here at off the looking glass jess because We have been away from what appears to be our favorite sport for weeks now. That's true. We've been pretty distant from the world of basketball for at least like, I don't know, three weeks. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we're deep into golf right now. You heard Anya's voice at the top. We're obviously enmeshed in the world of of the Lynx. L-I-N-K-S. Not the Lynx. Not the Minnesota Lynx. That's a a good one. Ooh, Kate, (laughs) can I segue for a second and tell you about how I won a point in Scattergories? Yes. So, oh oh my God, same. So if you don't know Scattergories, it's a board game, kind of. You roll a dice and it has a letter on it and then you have a list of categories and you have to name something from that category that starts with the letter. So the letter was Mm -hmm. L and the prompt was professional sports team and everyone put the Lakers and I put the Lynx. And if you have the same answer as someone else, you don't get a point. But I was the only one who had the Lynx, so I got a point. 
Yeah, and they were getting greedy too because you get don't you get two points because it's Los LA Angeles Lakers. Lakers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they got zero um, points, and I got one. Since we're deep, I mean, we're almost rabbit holing out of the top of this episode. Since we're on a categories kick right now, yes. Legendary story from my past. I didn't do this, but when I was playing categories like 15 years ago, one of my best friend's nieces, the letter was A, and the prompt was city, and she put Hamsterdam. <laughs> What? <laughs> Instead of Amsterdam, she thought it was Hamsterdam. And I just, I mean, she'll never live it down. It's my categories and I'm going home. Hamsterdam? Yeah. I mean, do you want to visit Hamsterdam? No, but yeah, I would cool. visit Gerbilne. <laughs> just, I love how nimble you are with your words <laughs> in your brain. You know what? Rabbit Thank hole you. out of this rabbit hole. I named the signature beverage at my friend's wedding because she wanted to combine mm-hmm. Danielle and Martini. And I was like, Danny Teeny. And she was like, wow, yes! how did you do that so quickly? And I was like, I'm used to doing it on my podcast with Kate with other <laughs> stupid things. I practice multiple times a week. So thank you. Just like Anya with the U.S. Open qualifier. (laughs) Hopefully she's practicing more than multiple times a week. (laughs) Hopefully she's up to numerous times a week. Mm. But yes, Anya, great job, Jess, bringing us back around. I had almost forgotten what this episode was. Anya is basically on the course right now. The qualifier, May 17th. So stay tuned because she will be on the show next week to give us either a recap or to take us through her ticket booking process to get out to California because I think that's where Pebble Beach is, is out on the West Coast. (laughs) You're still not sure, but you know what it looks like. Hey, I'll tell you one thing. It's not in Hamsterdam. So (laughs) we will have an update for everyone next week on what's going on with Anya. But for now, we want to say good luck to Anya. We're all rooting for you. We are. And on today's show, as we have mentioned, we are back at it with the basketball. We've already teased the Minnesota Lynx. Our guest on today's show is a member of a team that finds itself basically for the first time in its modern era without Sue Bird, the Seattle Storm. They are now anchored by Jewel Lloyd, who is a, not a graduate, but who, well, how would we say this? Who attended Notre Dame? Mm-hmm. I was going to say whose alma mater was Notre Dame, but I'm not sure. Can you say alma mater if you didn't get a degree? I don't speak Latin, Kate. I don't really know. It's <laughs> okay. useful. It's useful to not speak Latin. If you're like a lawyer, a doctor, maybe. If you're working sports, really just kind of a useless language. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Uh, but I did see Prima Fascia with Jody Comer. Then bang! Ah! I fire four questions like bullets. So it, it does have a Broadway tie right now, mm, Jess. Fair. So, so we have Jewel Lloyd on the show, and we're going to talk to her about a lot of things, not even that much basketball. She's going to take us through like her process, her building of her business, why she left Notre Dame early, like what she wants out of her career leading into her future, Jess. Which leads us to this season in the WNBA, which I think is going to be, even though it's the 27th season, not the 25th, I think we can all say this is like a pivotal, seminal, landmark season for the W. I think that we should talk about another L basketball team in this conversation Mm -hmm. and perhaps the reason why this is such a big start of a new era in the WNBA, and that is the New York Liberty, Kate, because Brianna Stewart, 
famously a guest on this show, has joined the Liberty now. Hello, Lady Liberty. Brianna Stewart is headed to the New York Liberty after six amazing seasons with the Seattle Storm. Kind of back in her home state, home area. And there is all sorts of buzz now about whether or not we've entered the super team era of the WNBA. Mm -hmm. And we have another L team that is going to balance out your, I'm going to say your New York Liberty, because I know you're a lover of New York City, but the Las Vegas Aces are the counterbalance. Yeah, I don't think that counts. I don't think you get a point for Las Vegas Aces because it starts with an A. Oh, so it can't be the cities. I don't think it can be the city. Okay. But you know what? We would have caucused and voted on that if that came up. Okay. Because categories is famously democratic in its points awarding. And you'd be surprised how easy it is to make shit up when you're playing categories (laughs) as as the timer runs down, which is what I just attempted to do. Beginning with our farm animals. Rhinoceros. Rhinoceros. Sure. But it brings up this question with the, in the Eastern Conference, we have the New York Liberty and a super team, Mm -hmm. no doubt. And then on the West Coast, we have the Aces and another super team. They already are the defending champions. And then they added Candace Parker. So the question that everyone is talking about, and people legitimately are talking about this, is, are we down with the era of super teams? Do we think this is good for the W? It's certainly, as we talk about on this podcast a lot, it's certainly taking a page out of the NBA's playbook is going through this era of super teams. So how do we feel about it? I mean, I certainly don't think it's a bad thing, right? Like, I think it was a good thing in the NBA if you want to make the comparison to the big three on the heat and the era that that kind of started in the NBA and all of these player transactions and moves and it's worked out for some teams and it hasn't for some teams. And I think the biggest con when we have this like super team argument is always like, well, you don't want to see the same team win it every year, but I don't see that happening because as you mentioned, there are two of these teams now and the WNBA rosters move a lot differently than the NBA. And also famously, a lot of NBA super teams, the Brooklyn Nets being one of them, did not win anything really of note, not even a playoff series. So I don't necessarily think that there's like a competition issue with it. So I guess what would the downsides be to it? The only downside I can think of is that in the short term, there's going to be about eight WNBA teams where we can't even name somebody on their roster. And that's a big percentage of the league. I mean, that's the only downside I can see is like, could I name somebody on the Indiana Fever right now? Aaliyah like, Boston. And, and, so, yes. Boom! Also famously a guest of this show. <laughs> I love that you say famously a guest. I mean, it's certainly That's in all what of their bios. Famous for. <laughs> that leads her oeuvre, I think is how you say that mm-hmm. French word. But do you know French? I know you don't I do I did Latin. take French, okay. so you're spot on there. But I'm with you. I think considering we're coming off of an NCAA season where we saw so much traction because we gave people, the consumers of sports, like a really easy storyline to sink their teeth into and people responded. And I think the WNBA is in a position now where more eyeballs are turning toward it. And if what we had to say about this season was, well, there's about eight or 10 teams that could compete. It wouldn't be as easy for people to wrap their minds around it. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, like narratively, I think that myself as a sports fan, it's easier for me to buy into like one or two storylines than like five or six storylines. I think it's interesting you mentioned the NCAA because this past month there has been another super team formed on LSU because they already have Angel Reese. They won the national championship. Give you your 2023 national champs, the LSU Tigers. 
And now two of the best players in the country are joining their team for next year, Haley Van Lith from Louisville and Anish Morrow from DePaul, who's one of the best players in the country that a lot of people didn't watch because she wasn't on a SEC or a Big Ten roster. But this is going to be the same question, I think, coming down the stretch into next year's tournament when LSU, I assume, is going to be playing very, very well with these three superstars on their team. So, I mean, it's definitely not something that is going to go away anytime soon, but I'm with you. Like, I think it's an easy storyline to sell when you're like, they're the best and you can either love them or hate them, but you know who they are. Jess, I just had a thought. Do you think the world would implode if Paige Beckers went into the transfer portal and went to Iowa? Yes. What do you think people would say about what that means for UConn? I just made this up, by the That's way. That's an so this insane is like, I scenario. <laughs> I was going to say, what if Paige Beckers entered the transfer portal and went to LSU? Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be, what if that everyone be, transferred to LSU? No. What if they gave Caitlin them Clark un- enters the, unlimited the scholarships and we created one mega team? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think when we talk about the UConn privilege, you know, air quotes thing that we've talked about the last few years. By the way, should we tease that we have a little something special coming out about UConn privilege? And we might be bringing some data to that question. So for those of you who are longtime listeners, this is a thing that we have talked about. Just a little quick tease that that is coming. Quick rabbit hole out of your quick tease. During categories, (laughs) my friend made up the word databyte. Oh, in the D category, kind of going off what you're saying about making up words. And anyways, we all voted no. And then turns out she Googled it. It's actually a real word. So categories, sometimes you can make up a word that just sounds right. And it actually is. But yeah, I mean, I think the Yukon privilege narrative comes from how easy it is to pinpoint UConn in any given basketball season and be like, they're the best team. They're UConn. Look, look at them. You know their players. You know their coach. You know their names. So that question of is UConn bad for the game has been around for as long as UConn has been winning championships. And I think the answer is assuredly no. So why would another team, quote unquote, super team kind of carrying that same mantle make any sort of negative impact either? No. And all right, before we get to Jewel and the rest of this fantastic episode, the thing that I have my eye on, Jess, the New York Liberty, as you mentioned at the outset of this super teams conversation, and What would a parade be like in New York for a professional basketball team winning a championship if it's the Liberty, which has never won one, before the New York Knicks win another one since the 70s? So I want to see a parade in New York City for the Liberty. That That would would be be amazing. That's what I'm rooting for. It's a basketball town, you know? Yeah. We'll set up shop in New York City off the looking glass, Will, for that parade if that happens. Can we make a vow to do that right now? Kate, as a survivor of the 2019 U.S. Women's National Team ticker tape parade, Mm. I will park my ass on 6th Avenue as early as I need to be there and watch this parade. All right, let's bring Jewel on. And as always, don't skip the ads. Lloyd starts with an L. Our guest today was the number one pick of the 2015 WNBA draft. The Seattle Storm select Jewel Lloyd from the University of Notre Dame. She was the WNBA Rookie of the Year. She's a four-time WNBA All-Star and All-WNBA First Team selection in 2021 and a two-time WNBA champion. Lloyd lays it in! All right, let's do it. Let's bring her on. Jewel Lloyd. Wait, so are you um, are you not playing overseas this year? 
No, not this year. The last three years I haven't gone over. Okay. So yeah, it's been uh, so nice to be having off season really. What was the impetus? Like that first year you didn't go over, were you just tired of it? So that was kind of like right after Kobe passed. So I took a moment. It was just like, all right, like how much do I have left to give the game? Like, is this, is this is where I'm at? Do I, can I like get better? How much do I want to dedicate to myself? And so I just sat down with my team. It's like, I think for me to get better, like, I need rest. I need to like have an off season to train. Growing up, I never wanted to be like, I wasn't thinking about like Euro League basket and, you know, Spanish League championship. It was always like WNBA and like the Olympics. So that was my goal to be the best in the States. So for me to do that, I was like, I need to, I need to have an off season. I need to like grow my game. Cause you're not going to get better when you're always playing games. And overseas, it was just like, I did what I need to do. And, you know, yeah. now it's time to go back here in the States. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I'm always curious about playing overseas because obviously money is a motivator. It's all about bucks, kid. I mean, that motivates you. You want to play well. You want the club to think you played well in case you want to resign with them or the club you're going to play with the following year. But there's that other layer of motivation like you're alluding to of, is this a dream I've had since I was a kid? Is this a stage at which I've thought about it and the people that I love and care about also understand this stage? And like the Euro game doesn't quite have that and so like as a player when you're over there how do you like navigate the difference between okay I'm making money but does winning a Spanish league title mean the same to me as winning like a W title like how do you manage that the moment I left to go pro I had like a five-year plan 10-year plan 20-year plan right like you're like a doctor yeah like I just <laughs> had a plan like we've always been planners in my family so like I never wanted to play overseas for more than five years I was like if I can't maximize my time in five years I'm not doing my job right right and I ended up playing for five years and I met, to me, I maximized my time. I maximized my opportunity from the money standpoint, like my opportunities to just meet great people, teammates, coaches, get better, push myself, all those things. I did that in five years. When I had that talk where I seen myself the next five, it was like, okay, like I think I've done everything. I've learned everything here, but let me take this back to the States and learn from like the best people in my case that I, I feel like could really helped me get to the next level. And so that was like, all right, so five years is done. So what's the next five years look like for me? And like, that's a different change of this, the person I am, the growth I had from being super young overseas, living with myself, all these things coming back here. I was like, oh, I'm ready to 
you know, take on the next challenge. And luckily, I, I think I have one of the best teams in the world and trainers, medical, all those things. So I was like, well, I feel confident that, you know, now is the time to, to trust them and be around them more because I know I'm going to need that environment to help, help me push to like the next level kind of thing. Oh, okay, let's go back to this planning thing, right? So your family's from planners. <laughs> what types of things were they planning? Were they planning when you were growing up and you're like, okay, this is a family of planners. Like, is there an actual plan? Did you actually write a 20-year plan or was it something in your mind or a 10-year plan where you're like, okay, I want to be at the Olympics in 2024, it would be. Yeah, so so what? To, give me more on the planning. To understand kind of how my family operates in a sense, our family movie is The Godfather. I hope that we could come here and raise them together. <laughs> so it's very strict on just like family ties, like understanding the ins and outs, um, trusting in that process, you know, like, my mom, she she was a teacher for a very long time, and my dad, same thing. Where he has to own he owned his own business growing up, and uh, then he started working for the high school, which I think he worked for the high school because I was going to high school, so he like had like supervision over me. <laughs> but yeah, I think our family was very strict on you got to understand like your purpose, your role, and we're going to plan things up. We're going to build a legacy. I think that's very important to my mom uh, growing up in the South, uh, Mississippi, and going through the civil rights and all that thing. I think she learned that from her culture and her family understanding that side of things and, and knowing that, you know, our capabilities of success and what it looks like for black families, ownership, things like that. It's all because of your surroundings, planning, understanding community. And so that's been instilled with us. So going into high school, you know, I, I, so I played tennis. So that was our family sport. We played tennis and that was what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. And then I got a chance to be a practice player for Chicago Sky when I was in high school, which is an unbelievable experience. And then that kind of changed my mind a little bit of what I really loved not just like to do so from that point on I told my brother I'm like hey like how do I get to the WBA like this is what I want to do like let's sit down and figure this out and my brother he's like the brain behind the operation he's very technical like suit and tie official like <laughs> the guy behind the scenes doing the books like he's a numbers guy you know completely so he was like all right well let's sit down like and we literally wrote this out like I could probably find it where it's literally he's definitely saved on his computer but it literally was a five-year 10-year 20-year plan of the stats like hey if you want to be like the Rossi this is her stats in college this is her stats her first year working out like this is what you have to amount to like this is what you know greatness is and things like that so we had all this laid out and we had a plan like hey like if I can leave early let's prepare for that like a lot of people don't know like I prepared to leave college early when I was in high school like this wasn't just a random thing when I did it like it might have seen random people but in reality it was like no we had this folder that we hit away. And then when the time was right, if you needed it, it was there. So it started then. It was like, all right, like, how can you maximize your time in college? Like, if you're going to leave early, like, what does that look like? You have to be on your stuff from the moment you get there to the moment you decide to leave. And if you don't leave, like, what does that look like? So it was just how we were raised. Like, always have a plan. Always come to the table and talk about it at dinner time with your family. Like, hey, this is what I want to do. And we talk about it. And we're like, all right, like, just advice from my aunts and my dad and my brother and things like that. So it, it's really a family matter. I mean, we kind of construct our family like that. And it's kind of how, I don't know, we've always kind of been. <laughs> I, I have several follow-ups from this. First off, do you have a favorite Godfather quote? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, never let anyone outside the family know what you're thinking. <laughs> never tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking again. I think that's something that I, I hold very dear to my heart for sure. <laughs> I, li I like that. Wait, wait, Jess, should we stick on the Godfather questions, the, the follow-up on the Godfather questions here? Well, I, I definitely could stay on this for a while. My favorite quote is, take the gun, leave the cannoli, but... Um, that's just because I'm a cannoli enthusiast. <laughs> but I wanted to follow up with what you said about leaving school early and that being your plan, because I went to Notre Dame. We were classmates there. And I know that Notre Dame has 
this expectation on athletes to stick around. And I'm curious how difficult of a decision that was for you and if it was something that you felt you were supported in doing. Yeah, you know, it, it was a wild decision at the time. I think if you look back at everything that happened freshman of the year, we went conference, we beat UConn, you know, three times, you go to the finals back to back, you know, we lost in the semis. It's just a great overall college experience from the outside. Inside, for me, it wasn't great. You know, I think a little bit of that was I come from a very diverse background and Notre Dame was not diverse. So that was an adjustment for me personally. It was just like uh, I didn't know how to fit in in that environment as greatly as I probably could have. Also, just it was just that was a big struggle just because, like I said, everything was was just different. When you go there and you're an athlete, people always think you're separate from anyone anyway because you're, you're an athlete. So it's sometimes uh, people want to be friends with you because you're an athlete. Sometimes people are like, oh, she's an athlete. So maybe she doesn't care about school that much or whatever. So I had some issues, uh, struggles with teachers at Notre Dame. I did. And uh, having a learning disability, being an athlete and being black was tough for me to figure out what that looked like and what that seemed like. Um, it was hard to relate because a lot of people didn't know. And I didn't tell a lot of people about my learning disability. So it, it was a struggle. But I think through the three years I was there, I learned a lot. Like I grew a lot and everything that I needed to learn, I learned in those three years that prepared me to leave. So Sometimes you can look at the situation and say, you know, it got too hard. That's why I left. No, I think because I was there, I learned so much because of my surroundings. I was prepared. Uh, I was prepared to leave, you know, from the people, some of the teachers who helped me, from the custodians who I talked to late at night when I was working at the gym and the people in the lunch cafeteria. Like I became super close with them because my hours I was in and out of there all the time. I became really close to them and having real life conversations with them and eating breakfast with the workers there. Like I was really close to a lot of people outside of just the norm. Uh, that made me feel comfortable. So I think leaving was definitely tough for people who didn't know me, uh, didn't feel the chance to know me. Uh, but personally, I, you know, I, I felt like I was ready. Uh, I felt like I learned everything. I, I wasn't super, super happy at school. Uh, and so I called my one of my trainers actually back home, like I think a week before Thanksgiving. And I was like, yo, like I'm thinking about leaving school. And he was like, how much school do you have left? And I'm like, not that many classes. And then he asked me, you know, are you happy? And I was like, no, not really. He's like, all right, leave. And then he hung up. I'm like, that's, that's it. <laughs> like, okay. You know, so, you know, I wasn't going to try to force it because I feel like my senior year would have been miserable and that would have been bad for everybody. But I feel like I was prepared on the court. I was prepared mentally to take on another challenge. And, you know, I talked to Kobe about it as well. And, you know, that was right around his uh, documentary. The Muse came out and he talked about a lot of things in there. And, you know, if you want to, learn how to be a doctor, you go to the best medical school. You want to be a lawyer, you go to the best, you know, law, law school. If you want to become a best basketball player, you go to the best arena and you go to the teams. And that was the WBA. I wanted to learn from the best and it just made sense to, to leave. And, and that's what I did. So when it comes to the plan, capital T, capital P is how I'm thinking of it now in my head. What is, has there been any shifts in what you see as your plan? Like if, if you had a 10 year plan coming out of, of school is it the same now as it was when you came out? And if it, it if it does look different, what was the catalyst for like a shift in what you thought you were capable of or what the plan was? Yeah, you know, I think the, the biggest shift in the plan maybe taking a little longer, which is normal, I think, because you think as, you know, a hungry kid, like, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow, right? Like, I, we're going to be win. We're going to win our first season in the WBA. We're going to be really good. No, we weren't. <laughs> you know, we weren't good for a while, right? You know, I'm going to be an all-star right away. No, those things kind of gradually grow. But the more I invested into myself, I think the plan changed into more that I wanted to give back. Giving back has always been something that I was really passionate about. But it was like, how do I do it the right way? Do I do it like 
you know, how everyone's told you to do, which is, you know, the normal, just donate to this fund, donate to this and post about it and all that. But I think because I've been so invested in giving back and really giving my time to other people, the plan, it just looks a little different in terms of just, I'm not so focused on the results, but just who's on my path and journey. I think that found more joy in people than just the result itself. Obviously, if you have both, it's a one-win. So, like, winning championship, right? Seattle wins a cold-blooded triple at the buzzer. That journey of both championships looked different, but I look back on how I got there and people who were with me, I'm like, man, like, that makes it so much different and special and feel better. That kind of shifted more than the actual success because to me, in my head, like, based on my family, like, I'm already a success. Me and my brother, we've done better than our parents, and that makes us a success. So my parents are happy with that. Like, that was their goal to make sure that we were in a better position than, than them. So I've done what I wanted to do so far right now in terms of, you know, championships, gold medals, all-star. That's great. Of course, you want to keep doing it again. But now it's like, how can I really impact that to other people more than just about winning? Because that stuff go away so quickly. So I think my journey, I shifted into more of just kind of giving back more than just, hey, it's, I'm all about the results. I'm curious, like, where you get that confidence in, in your inner voice and the ability to trust it at such an early age, because we're the same age. And when I was 21 at Notre Dame, I yeah. had no idea what the hell I wanted to do afterwards. And you <laughs> seem like you have this such a confidence and understanding of yourself and what you, you want and what you're focused on. So where does that come from? Honestly, a lot of it is from my circle. I've been really, really blessed to have a really good circle of friends. We've been friends, most of us, since we were like six months old. Honestly, there's a picture of all of us babies, but uh, they know me so well and they keep me so humble and we talk every day. So if there's things that I'm unsure about or just wanted to, I'm, I'm able to reach out to them and we talk about everything. I mean, they knew about the decision. They helped me along the way about it and you were with me and, you know, we were able to be super honest with each other um, as well as just my family. Like I keep saying it, I tell people all the time, like I have the best team because it's not everyone who works with me and is around me all the time. It's, it's not self-motivated. It's not about money. Um, it's generally about just seeing people do well and we help each other all the time. And so when you're around that environment all the time, that rubs off on you. And so what you guys see in me or about me, it's like a reflection of everyone who's been in my family, everyone who's been in my circle. So um, I, I like to say sometimes I'm like my dad, sometimes like my mom, I'm like Ninos, I'm like Mark. It's all like that because they're always around me. So you kind of get a version of all how they are through me. So it's really not just me. It's no way I could do it by myself. <laughs> by myself, it would have been a total different story. You wouldn't be here because I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm, I will tell you 100% when I'm wrong. I, I, yeah, there's no way I would do it by myself. And if anyone thinks I have ever done anything by myself, uh, they're completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you were wrong? What were you wrong about? <laughs> Everything. I mean, <laughs> I'm wrong about a lot. Um, whether it's you know, the Bears winning. A team that is known as Stubbers. Stubbers. Uh, which is hard here in Chicago. Uh, you think they're yeah, going to win stop. and they don't? Yeah. That's pretty wrong, yeah. How, or how they lose is drives you nuts, you know? I'm wrong. I'm honestly probably wrong way more than I'm ever right. Even on the court. I, I'm always, without Sue yelling at me half the time, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm wrong a lot. We'll, we'll, te <laughs> we'll text Sue about when you're wrong and we'll get her input on that. Being a coach is hard. It's mentally, physically, 
and spiritually draining. Your athletes turn to you for guidance and stability, but who can you turn to when you need a recharge? From the makers of the Calm app comes Time Out, a daily mindfulness and meditation app for coaches. Great job today, coach. You left it all out there. That's right. You provided a strong moral example and your team will all be better for having had you in their lives. Let's start with some deep breathing. Inhale. You're incredible. Exhale. Lateral jumps. Inhale. Shuttle run. Exhale. Gatorade. The Timeout Meditation App for Coaches. We offer over a hundred different meditation and mindfulness practices for coaches. We even offer meditation for female coaches. Wow. You're a lady coach. Take a moment to let that phrase wash over you. Lady coach. Good job. Does your head hurt from smashing that glass ceiling? Let's start with some deep breathing. Inhale. You've come so far. Exhale. Do you think you came across likable to the refs? Inhale. Remember in the press conference when you said your mom was your biggest hero? Do you think that was a good idea? Exhale. Think back to the game. Is it possible that you had a nip slip despite wearing a bra, undershirt, blouse, and blazer? Inhale. Really think. Did you? Exhale. Not to beat a dead horse, but I really don't want you to forget about that time when you were coming out of the bathroom and that woman reporter was going in and you leaned to the left and she leaned to the right and you kind of did that weird dance and laughed and then you said you go and she said no you go so you both went and you kind of got in each other's way again and you had to kind of giggle and and laugh about it it went on and on for what felt like hours Inhale. Exhale. Time out meditation app for coaches. Use code ICEBATH to start your free trial and use your first time out today. Ah, Kate. The calm meditation app for coaches. I would still be interested in developing this idea further. If you have been listening to Off the Looking Glass from the start, you may remember that. And we wanted to replay it because we think it's such a good idea. Everyone should listen to the call map for coaches every yeah. once in a while. And there's probably a lot of coaches in the WNBA who are going to need the Calm Meditation app this summer, for sure. Especially when they're playing Las Vegas or the Liberty. Mm. Or Jewel Lloyd, who is always upping her game. Seattle Storm. 
if you roll an S and you get the professional sports team. Oh, keep that in mind, people. Keep that in mind. Did you hear, just since this is a an episode of Rabbit Holes, do you watch Ted Lasso? I'm not caught up, but I do. Did you see the discussion about how Ted Lasso in his office, he's got pictures of like famous championship winning moments and everyone was talking about how it was a big miss for Ted Lasso that they didn't have any women's sports up there. Like it was like the miracle on ice mm. and like the Red Sox coming back to beat the Yankees. I'm making that one up. I don't know if that one is there, but it's all men's sports. And everyone was saying, and I appreciate that people are bringing this up, that it seems like the kind of show that would have thought of that, but did not. Hmm. So are you saying Ted Lasso is not the feminist icon that we thought he would be? That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying that also the reason I'm bringing Ted Lasso up is because Ted Lasso would use the Calm Meditation app for coaches. In fact, <laughs> he, he would, would voice probably it. be an ambassador yeah. for that product. That is yes. a really good point. Well, Kate, men will never fail to disappoint even the fake ones on TV. So no surprises there. Ted Lasso, get your shit together. Get a Brandy Chastain in your office. Come on. All right, Jess. Well, should we wrap this episode up? I want to thank you for co-hosting and producing Off the Looking Glass, as well as Anya Alvarez, who, fingers crossed, she's on the links right now, doing it up. Hopefully... We've got a trip to Pebble Beach in our future because, you know, we're a trio (laughs) now, the three of us. So Pebble Beach will go. We'll keep you posted on that. And a big thank you to Anya. And a big thank you to you, Kate, for also co-hosting and producing the show. And to Jewel Lloyd, a fellow domer, Mm. for coming on and joining us to talk about her career and basketball. And of course, we have to thank Carl Scott, our executive producer, and Joel Shupak for doing all of the lovely sound design and engineering of the show every single week. Nameless Numberhead wrote and executed Calm Meditation app. That is Henry and Mari, based out of here in Charleston, South Carolina. Just giving them a shout out, Jess. So should I'll meet you in Hamsterdam. I'll see you in Me. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.